Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We're in the middle of a series titled, Helping the Next Gen Win. We want to help them win. And what I mean by that, winning, is we want to help them in their uh, secular life, their public life, but we also want to help them spiritually win, which that's the most important thing. You'll win in every way if you win spiritually. So this is a series about how we can help them win. If you haven't been with us, lesson one, two weeks ago, we had a panel up here, all the different age groups. It was awesome. Last weekend, I, I gave the first of three principles on what you and I can do to help the next gen win. It's all available for free at believers.cc, our website, or you can download the Believers Church app. We have over two years of messages on that. It works on any smart device, phone, or pad. You also can click notes and everything that's ever on a PowerPoint. You can actually see it all. You can use it during the week. It's absolutely amazing. This is lesson three. I'm really excited about it. And if you weren't here last weekend, I introduced the five generations that are currently alive on planet Earth. And I'm going to just bring them back up quickly, but here's why I'm bringing them up today. And I'm not going to say everything I said about each generation last, last week. But the experts give each generation that's alive, they give them a phrase that best describes who they are. And of course, there's many other things that will describe them, but I thought it would be cool for every generation to understand the generation that they're not and the phrase that's given to them. And it's gonna play into our message today. So the, the oldest generation is the builder generation. They were born from 1925 to 46. Youngest is 71, oldest is 92. And here's their phrase, guys. Be thankful you have a job. And if you, know, if you know any builders, you know that's definitely their phrase. Remember, they went through two world wars and the Great Depression. Gina told me a story after last week's message about her grandma and grandpa, her mom's parents, and she told me how uh, if they went over to visit, they were having, let's say, pie for dessert, uh, and she was going to use paper plates. She would literally rip the paper plates in half for her and her husband, and, and they would use half a paper plate. They were just thankful that the world came back together and they had a job to work. But here's my generation. We're called the baby boomers because when they came back from War of the Builders, they got busy and we came. And it was 1946 to 64. The youngest is 53. The oldest is 70. And, and remember last week I said, you might be 70, 69, 68, and you might relate more to the builders. Or you might be you know, 53, 54, 55. You might relate more to the next group, the busters. And so there's going to be some flow. There's no hard divisions. But here's the phrase of the boomers, and I love it. You owe me. <laughs> that was our phrase. And I was a little offended because this is what the experts say. I didn't make these up. Then I got to thinking about it. I read on. You know what they said? We weren't looking for a handout, but here's what we wanted. We wanted better jobs, more high-payer jobs than our parents. We wanted nicer houses than our parents. We wanted everything better than our parents. And guess what? The builders were so good, they gave it to us. I mean, they set us up with things that were better. Now, here's the next generation, the baby busters. They were 1965, 1982. Youngest is 35, oldest is 52. And the reason they're called baby busters is because the boomers said, I, I hated all the siblings I had. We're going to have less kids in our family. And so they, they are literally the least amount in, of any generation. There was less of them than any other generation. And uh, their phrase was this. Here's their phrase. Relate to me. 
That's an interesting phrase. And I'm a middle child. I know exactly how they feel, right? And so, uh, but I want you to think about them. They grew up during Vietnam. They grew up during Watergate. The world was kind of shaky and messy. They were called latchkey kids, remember? And so they just wanted people to relate to them, to understand them. Here's the millennials. And this is an incredible, incredible. They're the largest in number ever born. Not, not the, there were more them born than any other of the five generations. And, and they're from 1983 to 1999. Uh, the youngest is 18. The oldest is 34. And this is an incredible group of people. And here's their phrase, and I love it because you and I are also feeling this. Their phrase is, life is a cafeteria. And I like that. You know, where you can go pick this dish. No, I won't have that. I'll have that. And here's why. And, and I want to throw this in while we're at it, okay? Whatever, whatever atmosphere or culture you grew up in when you were in your formative years, that, that's going to that's gonna impact you the most. But us that are older, we're, we're picking up these very same things because we're living in the same world as them. But this is the only world they've known for each of these generations. Now, here's what I mean when I say life is a cafeteria. For, for all of us busters, boomers, and builders... When we wanted music, we had to buy an entire album, right? And, and, and then it, once in a while, they did a 45, a single, right? Uh, and then it went to cassette. We had to buy an entire cassette. And then eight tracks showed up for just a short time. They teased us, and they disappeared. And, and then there were CDs, right? And, and, and we had to buy the entire album, even if we only liked one song. Well, then the millennials came along, and iTunes was created, and they could literally buy one song off an album, just pay for one. And, and, and so they, they are used to a world where you can pick and choose. And they, they even go to college and they say, you know what, I don't like the degrees you offer. I want to create one. And they create their own degrees. And all of that's good. And you and I are living in that same world. I remember our student pastor was telling me, why are you buying music? You don't even have to buy it anymore. I just was getting used to iTunes. And uh, he, he said, now there's Spotify. He said, you can stream your music. And if you pay $9.95 a month, he said, you can listen to every song that's ever been written and sung. And he says, you don't have to pay for any of it. You can create your own list, and you can even download it on your device. And, and he had to show me how to do it. But now, Gina and I are Spotify people, man. I never buy music anymore. I just pay nine-something a month, and I can listen to anything. I want technology keeps changing, right? Now, this culture that we're currently in, and the millennials have to fight this, and the millennials at our church, they have fought this. But life's a cafeteria for them, too, uh, religiously, right? They take a little Jesus, a little bit of Buddha, a little bit of Eastern mysticism, and they kind of make up their own spirituality. And guess what? I'm seeing boomers do that. I'm seeing busters do that because that's the culture we're living in. But the millennials in this church, you guys are absolutely awesome. Their phrase is life is a cafeteria. This next and final group, this one, this one, is so important that we're aware of. And, and, and they are called Gen Z, and they were born from 2000. They're still being born. They haven't made a hard cutoff for them. They're one day old to 17 and a half years old. Uh, this is our future. But their phrase really bugged me. It bugged me. But I think all of us are feeling what they're feeling. Here's their phrase, I'm coping and hoping. Here's why. They were born during 9-11, they're also called the homelanders because of homeland security being developed. And since they've been born, get a hold of this, their generation, there's been 30,000 terrorist acts around the world. 
And they're seeing all that on the news. They're being bombarded with it. They're seeing racial unrest. They're seeing political unrest. And, and they're just saying, man, I'm coping and hoping. How many of us that aren't uh, in this generation are feeling some of the same things, right? But, but here's why these phrases are important. In order for us to help them win, we, we have to understand what's going on in their life. And we have to have a heart to literally literally feel what they're feeling or we'll never be able to help them. So here's what I did. Uh, I want to deal with two, two more principles. We dealt with principle one last week. I want to deal with two and three. I put them into my big idea. And, and so uh, you're going to see them in there. If you're visiting, here's, here's what the big idea is about. I, always, I share it every week. I want you to walk out of this lesson understanding this phrase more clearly than you've ever understood it. So I know some of you already know it. I'm going to just do my best to take you up a level uh, just by making you more aware. Some of you, you're going to hear this for the first time. But, but when it comes to us helping the next gen win, here's what, what we have to do. You have to show up and show you care to help the next gen win. And we'll never help them win until we show up and until we show we care. And showing up's pretty easy, right, for most of us. I'm a task-oriented person, so anybody in here a task-oriented person? We, we just say, oh, that's what I have to do, God? Okay, and, and we do it and just say, now I can, I can check that off my list, man. I did that. What else you want me to do? But it, it's one thing to show up. It's another thing to show you care. And I want to just do my best to open this up because, man, we can influence the next generation, guys, if we just show up and show we care. Millennials that are older, you can impact younger millennials. You can impact Generation Z. Generation Z that's 17 and a half, you can impact young Generation Gs. And it's all because we're going to show up, we're going to show we care. So I got to thinking about this, and I want you to do something. I want you to think about a person when you were young, you were in your formative years, that showed up and showed they cared in your life. Think about it. who would that be? I came up with two. And I came up with my number one. And, and my number one was amazing. He did not have to show up like he did. He did not have to show he cared. But he did. And I was living in, in a dark world. I was walking away from God, and this guy kept showing up. His name was Father Crumbly. And some of you know Father Crumbly. Father Crumbly was uh, the priest at St. James Church when I was junior high in high school. My mom made me be an altar boy. I remember I became a freshman in high school. I said, Mom, all the freshmen, they're no longer altar boys. You understand, Mom, boy, boy, junior high. She said, you're going to be an altar boy until you graduate from school, boy. And she did. She made me be an altar boy until I graduated from school. But that connected me with Father Crumley. And I'll tell you a cool story about him. Then I want to get back to how he showed up and showed he cared. Um, I was in, in junior high. And we were ready to do a mass, and so we had myself and another altar boy. We're a couple minutes before mass, and he looked at me, and, and it freaked me out because he's just staring at me. And then he said, Joe, you have a call on your life to full-time ministry. And it freaked me out because you know what was happening? I'd go to bed at night, and I'd sense this call that I had a call on my life, and, and, and I'm living a sinful life, but I'm sen sensing this call. But here's what I would say every time I thought about it, and I said it to Father Crumley, I said, I can't answer that call because in order to go in full-time ministry, I have to be a priest, and I like girls, and I'm going to get married. And I told Father Crumley that. He started laughing. He said, Joe, you can go into full-time ministry and not be a priest. He said, you just need to yield to that call. And I fought that call for a long time until I met Jesus. 
uh, and, and when I was 19 years old, and then it came back on me, and I felt it. But here's how he showed up and showed he'd care. He did things he never had to do. Um, I, he loved basketball, and he would open up his house. We call it the rectory. He'd open up the rectory, and he'd have a bunch of us guys come over. He had a spread of food for us, and then he had pop if you were under 18 and beer if you were over 18, and we'd just sit there, and we'd watch the calves with him back in the day, and he would just laugh with us, He'd interject spiritual things to us, but he took his time to hang out with us. We didn't have a student ministry at St. James, so he started a student ministry when I was in high school, and my mom made me go, so I had to show up because my mom made me go, but he poured his life into us. Do you know he died just not too long ago? Him and I, when I came back to Start Believers, I called him, and I said, we have to have lunch, and I thanked him, and him and I were close friends. We'd have lunch together, call each other, and I want to just say to you, he changed me forever because he showed up and he showed he cared. And who's that person in your life? Man, if they're still alive, let them know. Thank them for what they did. If they're not alive, let's honor them. Let's all of us honor them by being a person that shows up and shows we care for this next generation. When it comes to showing up, I think we could say it this way. Influence comes from being consistently present in someone's life. If we're going to help the next gen win, we have to influence them. It's the only way to help them win. And none of, us are, none of us can be influenced because we're made to do something, but we can only be influenced because we realize somebody really cares about me, and that's when we open our hearts up to hear what they have to say. And so the first step is we have to show up. And Gina and I, years ago, about six years ago, uh, we were thinking of becoming... Uh, big Brothers and Big Sisters, that international organization. And here's the idea of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, they want you to spend time with someone eight hours a month, twice a month, so four hours twice a month. And they want it to be someone that doesn't have a consistent father figure in their life. So we were prayerfully considering this, and then we, we, we decided to do it. We've been doing it now for five years. And what made me say, yes, I'm going to do it, because I had so many questions. I didn't think I was qualified. I didn't think, you know, am I good enough? Can I really help somebody? I looked at their website, and I saw some stats like this. This is mind-blowing. Here's what they say. Uh, if you spend time with them, just this eight hours, 46% of them will be less likely to begin using illegal drugs. That's just hanging out, just hanging out with them. And, and this other stat was mind-blowing, too. 50, they'll be 52% less likely to skip school. That's just showing up. Showing up's really important. And I want to thank all the volunteers here that, that show up. I want to thank all of you for showing up with your kids, your grandkids, in every way that you do. And I want to encourage you, all of you that are in this room, I want you to just think about this. If you want to help the, the, the next gen, you, you can help us in our Kids for God. Kids for God is infants and toddlers. You can help us um, with Super Kids, which is our children's church. You can help us with Paramount. That's our student ministry. And just show up and help. But some of you are sitting here saying, kids are not my, my deal, Pastor Joe. That's not my thing. That's okay. You know why? We're a generational church. So if you just show up and help us on the weekends or behind the scenes, you're going to influence the next gen just helping us in any capacity here at Believer's Church. And there's some special people in this room I just want to thank. I want to thank all the coaches in this room because you know what? They're going outside these four walls and they're showing up 
and they're showing they care. And for all the coaches that are in this room, I want to thank you, and I want to encourage you, look for those open doors, man. Look for doors of opportunity uh, to speak God's grace into people's life. Even invite people to church. Minister to the parents. God has you out there as a missionary. You know who else I want, to, I want to thank for a moment? There are some of you that are builders, and for decades you showed up at Believer's Church and other churches, and you showed you cared. And you know, I want to thank you guys. Some of you now are not physically able to show up. Can we give it up, guys, for all the builders in here that laid the foundation at this church? We are so excited that you showed up and showed you cared. So I want to do something now. I want to, I want to help you understand what it means to care because showing up's big, but caring is huge. And I want to talk to you about a thing called empathy which some of us are born with and some of us are not, and I'm one of the ones that are not. I'll tell you a story. Um, about 30 years ago, I took this test. It's called Gift Quest. And they had, I think it was seven gifts, and they scored you zero to 100. And the closer you were to 100, the, the more strong that gift was. So I took the test, and administrative, my administrative gift was 99 my teaching gift was 98. My giving gift was 50-some, which means it was significant. But, but if you were under 10, that means it's nowhere in your life. And my mercy gift was three. Mercy is the foundation of empathy. And, and when I started Believers, I had no empathy. I had no mercy. And if someone grabbed me in the lobby and said, Pastor Joe, I, 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 I can't pay my bills and I'm having this problem, I'd say, Get a job. <laughs> That's where my mercy was. It was bad. It was bad. But here's why I tell you. Here's why I tell you. Listen, listen, listen. I have grown in my empathy. I've grown in my mercy. And if I can grow, anyone in this room can grow. Because you might be sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure I can care. Yeah, yeah, you can volunteer, but you can be in the lobbies. You can be anywhere here. And you can literally have God <laughs> well up in your heart, a love and a desire for whoever you're coming in contact with. That's called empathy. So I thought I'd help us all. I was wanting to explain what empathy was. And I, I found this incredible clip. Uh, many of you know who Brene Brown is. Uh, we've used some of her books here for our connect groups, and Brene is absolutely awesome. She's not a Christian, but her material is awesome. She has some material on empathy that's off the charts. So I took this little cartoon she did, and uh, I, I wanted you to see it. It shows the difference between sympathy and empathy. So let's check this out, and then I'm going to come back. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no. You want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. 
we're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. (laughs) John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. It's a great clip. You can go to our website, see the whole thing. You know, you know, if someone's going through a really traumatic event, empathy would work that way. But empathy is also just referring to us looking at the next gen. And I like to say it this way. Empathy pauses and imagines what it must be like to be someone else. And sometimes... We, we can be so stuck on our generation, the way we do things. If we weren't here last week, we had a blast talking about that. And we can look at the next gen and how they do everything different. They look different. They dress different, different music, whatever it is. Growing up in a whole other environment, and, and we can just blow them off. And here's what, here's what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to stop and ask, what must it be like to grow up? in their environment, in their culture? What's, what must it be like to be them? And you begin to develop this thing called empathy. Um, J.K. Rowling's, who wrote the Harry Potter uh, series, she said this, and I think it's so cool. We're the only species that can imagine ourselves in someone else's shoes. So if we're going to help the next gen win, we have to show up, but then we have to show we care. And that's beginning to look at people and seeing them as the most valuable thing on planet Earth. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that. It's just not a job. It's just not, hey, I'm going I'm to just do what I have to. It's letting God begin to build this thing inside of us to where we love them, and they know we love them, and because they know we love them, we're able to influence them. I want to ask you a question. What Bible character would you say was the best at doing this, showing up and showing they care? Anybody want to throw that name out? Who would it be? Jesus, right, Jesus. And Amazing. Jesus showed up. Can we all agree? He showed up. He came to earth, and Jesus showed he cared, right? I mean, three years he ministered, and he set people free and just ministered incredibly, gave us these incredible revelations. But then the ultimate thing he did was he died, right? He showed he cared. And there's a text in the Bible. It's such an incredible text because it talks to us about growing in our empathy and then it connects it with an example to Jesus. So I want to I read this. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this. This is written to Christians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Uh, rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And this would be for every gen, but we're talking about that next gen. And all he's saying is focus on other people and where they're at. And he goes on to say this. Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He showed up, he showed he cared. And he's about ready to show us what empathy is. It's an amazing thing, and all of us can grow in it. So listen to the very next verse, verse 6. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Translated, Jesus was God the Son. He made everything. He created created everything. 
And mankind kept rebelling and rebelling. You can read the Bible all through history. They messed the garden up, right? They messed everything up. And yet he's up in heaven. He's God. He could have easily said, you know what? I am tired of these people I created. He could have threw some bolts down here, destroyed us all, or he could have came and he could have said, you know what? I'm going to show up but I'm going to make them do what I want. I'm going to show them how powerful I am. I'm going to make them obey me. He could have done that, but you know what God knew? That would never influence us. Or would we do what he wanted? Just because we had to, but, but we wouldn't want to. But he did something so amazing. He showed up, showed he cared, because he wanted that kind of relationship with us. And that's when everything changes. And that's what God needs us to do with the next gen. Listen to verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He showed up. He became one of us. And he allowed us to put him to death to show that he cared. And what God's saying to you and I is, hey man, if you show up and you show you care, you'll influence a generation. You'll influence them. And I'll grow you in the ability to show empathy. Now there's, a, there's another verse that's, so absolutely amazing. It's connected to this. It's Hebrews 4.15, and it says this, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus after he was raised from the dead, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I want you to stop and think about it. Jesus lived in a human body for 33 years. First 30, he was not revealed even as the son of God. He ran, he ran his, uh, his stepfather's business. And I mean, he grew up just like we did. Jesus was rejected by people that loved him. Jesus felt the pain of loss. He had relatives die early. He felt what that feels like. He felt shame. He felt everything that you and I feel. And on top of that, he was tempted by the enemy to sin. He overcame it all. But here's what's so cool about Jesus. He wanted our relationship with him to be based on, man, he loves me, and because he loves me, I want to follow him, not making us do it. And with the next gen, if we can just show up and show we care, we're going to help them win. They're going to open up their hearts to us. We're going to help them do what God's created them to do because they are our future. And I love this next verse. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. If you're not a Christian yet, let me tell you how this works. No matter what I do wrong, no matter how I blow it, no matter how many failures, I know that I can always go to God. The throne of grace is me going to God saying, hey, I need your help, I need your ability. And I realize he redeemed me. I realize I'm holy and blameless and without fault before his eyes because I accepted Jesus. I realize he took the wrath of God so it won't come on me. And I realize, hey, he showed up and showed he cared and he loves me. And because he loves me, anytime I have a problem, I can go to him with confidence. And that's the mindset God wants us to have with everybody on this planet. And if we want to help the next gen win, all we do is show up. All we do is show we care. And we give so many vehicles here at Believers to do it. I want to encourage you to do it everywhere. And I wanted to just thank our volunteers. I want to encourage people to volunteer here, the Boardman campus. I want to encourage you to volunteer because we can influence the next generation. It's amazing. So I'm thanking all our volunteers by highlighting three volunteers. And 
These are amazing people like all of our volunteers. But um, here's our first one. This is Wanda Myers, and many of you know Wanda. She's also called Grandma Wanda by many. She volunteers on our host team right here in, in our weekend services. And she also helps Paramount, our student ministries, whenever they do a big event. She gets in there and she does whatever they need, help pull that big event off. And she is, without a doubt, she is showing she cares. She's influencing. She's, she's impacting the next generation. Here's something else she did that I think is so amazing. She has three grandchildren, Stephen, Chris, and, and Bobby. And Stephen's now 21, and, or 20. And what's amazing is when they were young, she picked them up and she brought them to weekend services. She picked them up and she brought them to Paramount on Wednesday night. She literally became an Uber service for her kids, right? And her grandkids. And she laid her life down. She showed up. She made sure they came. And now, not only are they all involved in church, Bobby now, his whole family comes. And it's just absolutely amazing what God's done through one person showing up, showing they cared. Here's the second one. This is Bernie Bush. Many of you know Bernie. He's involved in Paramount, our student ministry. Get a hold of this. Bernie's been volunteering in student ministry for 20 years. That's absolutely amazing. So we asked them some questions, and I read their answers to try to just figure out what to say. And, and Bernie said this. I thought it was so, so powerful. He said he's really excited about Cruise, which is the discipleship program for, for Paramount. And he went on to say this. He said, I didn't live a perfect life but if I can help the next gen avoid my mistakes, it's a win. It's a win. Here's one more. This is Rosemary Britton. And Rosemary's been here 20 years. She volunteers in Pathway, which is our ministry for special needs children. And her, daughter, her granddaughter has autism, and that's what made her interested in helping in, 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 um, in, in our Pathways ministry. But she shows up Rosemary shows up, and she literally has this big heart for these special need kids, and she is influencing them and their family. So I want to ask you to help me out. This is for all of our volunteers, but can we take a moment? Can we take, thank these three volunteers for showing up and showing they care, man? It's absolutely awesome. It's amazing what they're doing. And sometimes we do so much for God, and we don't realize what it's doing. So here's what I know. I know as I ministered this message, God spoke all kinds of things. Some of you, are, you can't wait to run to the throne of grace. You're like, God loves me. You're like really excited about that. And, but for all of you, I believe God spoke to our hearts. He dealt with us in certain areas about showing up or wanting to grow us caring. And, and you're probably, some of you are so excited that you, you realize I can grow in that area. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Both campuses, Boardman, also here in Warren. Let's stay in an attitude prayer. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. And, and, and first, I just want to speak concerning the message. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I know who that person is that showed up and showed they'd care when I was young. Man, I just want to encourage you, if they're still alive, make sure you let them know it. And either way, let's honor them by making the decision that we're going to show up. We're going to show we care because we can influence people the same way they influenced us. Your bad eyes are closed. God's dealing with many of you right now, showing you what steps you need to take so you can help the next gen win, so you can influence the next gen. So I'm going to allow that to keep going on. But let's keep our heads bowed, Borman here, and Warren. 
I want to also give a specific offer, make a specific offer today. If you're here, you're not sure if you're forever. You're not sure if you were to uh, die, if you'd go to heaven or earth. Maybe you walked in not being sure if there was, or heaven or hell, or you're, you're not sure if you died, if there even is an afterlife. I want you to listen to me. Listen very close, closely. Right now, I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all important things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it personal, you made it real with Jesus? Because that's the only way we can go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one can go to heaven unless they come through me. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but they will receive everlasting life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I believe that. I'm ready today to make it real. Would you pray with me? Boardman Campus, here in this campus, would, would you pray with me? And if you're praying it for the first time, simply mean it in your heart. And can the rest of us in Boardman and here, can, can we pray with them? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. And this day, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I realize, is the answer. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I give you my heart this day. And I make a decision to follow you. Jesus, thank you for showing up. Thank you for caring, Lord Jesus. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you may have felt something you may not have. It doesn't matter. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. I mean, God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's amazing. But something else happened that you did not hear, but it's happening right now. The Bible teaches us if one person on planet Earth gives their heart to Jesus, that all of heaven, God included, begin to celebrate. And right now in heaven, God's celebrating because you've become one of his kids. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.